0: Hello and welcome to ZF1 Amateur, which is a post Formula One race commentary podcast hosted by me, Humara Ruth. I hope you're doing well, but if for some reason life is not going as well as you'd like it to, I always say take it to the Lord in prayer and hopefully some Formula One will cheer you up. If you're new here, thank you so much for joining us. Subscribe, leave a review, become a part of the family. I promise you will not regret it. And if you've been here for a while, maybe from day one, or you joined us along the way, I very much appreciate you welcome to this podcast channel like i said before it's a post formula one race commentary podcast which means that i watch the events that happen at a grand prix and then come on here summarize them for you to enjoy so i've been doing this since 2020 so if you missed any race this year last year and towards the end of the other year you can most definitely find it on this podcast channel so why not subscribe and share the podcast with a friend or a loved one now, today's episode is about the 2022 French Grand Prix. This is exciting because it's one of the oldest Grand Prix that we've had in the calendar for a very long time. In fact, it's one of the oldest motor races in the world. We've been racing in France since 1906, but the very first Grand Prix that we had there was in 1971. So there's a difference, but we've been racing there for about... A long time. We've had 89 races, I believe, in France. It's also one of those countries that has had 16 different venues for Formula One races. It comes close to Australia. Australia's had about 23 different venues for Formula One races. So that's a lot of venues for Formula One to race at. But in France, there are only, I believe, 16 different venues. Now, currently, we race at a track known as the circuit Paul Ricard, and we've been racing there since 2019 up to today. So, it's one of the longest circuits that Formula One has managed to race at consistently over the time. Now, it's found in Le Castellet, France. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but that's where it's found. And um, it's a pretty long circuit or it's a pretty short circuit. I don't know what long and short is to you. But anyway... It has a race distance, drivers cover race distance of about 309.69 kilometers if we prefer miles, that's about 192.432 miles. And in terms of circuit length, the circuit itself is 5.842 kilometers long. That's about 3.630 miles long. If you ask me, I think it's pretty long, but it's exciting to watch. And it's a purpose-built circuit, so I, I absolutely enjoy that as well. And I do. I always say I love the street races. I love the street races. But I do appreciate the French circuit because it's quite beautiful visually. It's very beautiful, especially by the cab sides. They have this – I think it's the colors of a French French flag, actually, because the, um, the cabs have, you know, white – blue no it's probably white blue and red or white red and blue I think it's white blue and red or it's blue white and red the colors of a French flag basically are on the ground on the circuit and it looks beautiful even if you're seeing it from above from the sky it's absolutely stunning and there's a lot of room for you know drivers to make mistakes it's not that I want them to make mistakes but there's a it's safe I should say If you compare this track to the track we had in Jeddah, then you actually get it because Jeddah is one of those circuits that you're like, oh my God, it's a street circuit, but it is dangerous. So I love this one. There's a lot of room for you to, you know, survive. If you make a very bad mistake, you can actually recover in my opinion. So it's a purpose-built track. It has 15 corners. Drivers get to do 42 gear changes per lap. That's quite a lot of gear changes, but you get the job done. And there's one heavy braking event. 15 corners, two DRS zones, and it's a pretty, I would say it's pretty tough to win at the French Grand Prix. But it's also iconic because it's one of those old races on the calendar. I think if you win like the Monaco Grand Prix, you, the uh the British Grand Prix, the French Grand Prix, the Australian Grand Prix, that is very very memorable. In fact, last year 2021, Max Verstappen won here. He won from pole position. Lewis Hamilton came home second, Sergio Perez finished third, Valtteri Bottas finished fourth and Lando Norris finished fifth. When it comes to drivers who have won the most here in France, it's Michael Schumacher. He has won eight times at the French Grand Prix. When it comes to teams, it's Ferrari. They have won 17 times in France. So that is very, very, that's a lot of wins. So it's mind blowing, I should say. It's very respectable for them. And then when it comes to tires, the tire compounds that will be used at the French Grand Prix are the C4, the soft tire, the C3, the medium tire, the C2, that is the hard tire. And then drivers get to use eight sets of soft tires, three sets of medium tires, and then two sets of hard tires. So I think that's pretty much an introduction about the French Grand Prix. Let's take a short break, and when we return, we'll dive into the qualifying for the Grand Prix. Okay, sorry for interrupting the show, but you probably love motorsport because you're listening to my podcast, and I'm grateful for that. So if you love Formula E Motorsport, the motorsport series, why not listen to my newest Formula E podcast called Z Formula E Podcast? It's all about motorsport. I bring you the latest races in motorsport, the drivers, what happens on the tracks and off the tracks, and why Formula E is a newest sport you should be interested in. So just look for Z Formula E podcast on your favorite podcasting platform or Google Z Formula E podcast and you'll be sure to listen in. And then, aside from that, yes, I'm a woman of many talents and many passions. I also have a podcast dedicated to the beauty of Uganda. As you know, I am from Uganda. I'm from Kampala, Uganda. And I love to share the beauty of Uganda with the rest of the world, which is why I started my other podcast called Zee Humara Show. So if you'd be interested in that, just look for Z Humara Show on your favorite podcasting platform or Google Z Humura Show. All right, let's go back to Formula One all right welcome back from that short break now let's dive into the qualifying for the 2022 french grand prix now if you're a formula one veteran please bear with us there's always new people who are just getting into the sport and so i like to explain some of the basic things to them but it would just take a short while so formula one A Grand Prix weekend usually happens over the course of three days. It usually starts on Friday through to Sunday. So Friday, you'll have two practice sessions. Saturday, you'll have the third practice session and then a qualifying session that day as well, later in the day usually. Then on Sunday, you have the race itself. Now, when it comes to the qualifying session, which happens on a Saturday... It takes place within one hour, and it happens in knockout stages. So the hour is divided into three quarters. You'll have quarter one, quarter two, and quarter three, but we abbreviate it to Q1, Q2, Q3. Each quarter lasts for a particular amount of time, and there are intervals between each quarter. So Q1 takes around 18 minutes, I believe, but I stand to be corrected on that one. Q2 happens for 15 minutes, and then Q3 happens for about 12 minutes. So what happens in each of those queues is that drivers go out onto the track, try to set the fastest lap times possible and um, the five slowest of the pack are eliminated from further qualification. So maybe I should have just said this earlier, the qualifying session sets the grid for the race day on Sunday in order to, sorry, in order to determine who begins where on the grid on Sunday, we have a qualifying session. And that, I think, is partly because, you know, a Formula One track isn't wide enough for all drivers, all 20 drivers to start on the same line. Like, you know, a normal, um, what is it called? A normal sprint or marathon would be. So, all 20 cars can't start on the same line. So, to determine who starts at the front and who starts at the back, you have a qualifying session. So, let's go by each you know queue so you start off with q1 obviously everything happens within an hour so q1 is about um 18 minutes i believe so you have 20 drivers because you have 10 teams and each team has two drivers so you have 20 drivers go out onto the track and try to set the fastest lap time possible So it's not about overtaking, it's not about, you know, going ahead of Lewis Hamilton or ahead of Max Verstappen. It's just about you as a driver setting the fastest lap time that you could possibly set. At the end of Q1, the five slowest of the 20 drivers are eliminated from proceeding into Q2 and into Q3, naturally. So the five slowest occupy the last five slots on the grid. Then we take a break. Then we come back for Q2, which lasts about 15 minutes. In those 15 minutes, now you have 15 drivers. They go out onto the track and try to set the fastest lap times that they could possibly set. At the end of the session, the five slowest of them occupy um, positions 11 to, well, should be about 11 to 15. Yes, positions 11 to 15 on the grid, come race day on Sunday. Then you have a break. Then you go for Q3. In Q3, you have 10 drivers. Now these 10 drivers go out onto the track and try to set the fastest lap times that they could possibly set. At the end of the session, they're organized on the grid according to how fast they were during the qualification. Or someone will say according to how slow they were. I don't know whether it makes sense. But yes, if you are the 10 well, if you are the 10th fastest in Q3, that means you were the slowest of all the 10 drivers, you'll occupy the 10th slot on the grid come race day on Sunday. So that is how the qualifying session works. Now, I'll just summarize things that happened during each quarter. Now, Q1, Alex Albon mildly spun, so definitely affected his lap time. Because remember, you're trying to set the fastest lap. Um, Also, Daniel Ricciardo and Mick Schumacher had their lap times deleted because they exceeded track limits. Now, in Formula One, you're not supposed to gain an advantage um, by having four tires of your car off the track. Don't know that makes sense, but you're supposed to race or you're supposed to call quali- uh, get your fastest lap in by doing it on the track, not off the track. So, the moment all your four tires are off the track, and then that gives you an advantage, you've definitely exceeded track limits. So, Daniel Ricard and Mick Schumacher had their lap times deleted for doing that, also. Fair, important to notice, Kevin Magnussen took a really long time before getting out of the pits, you know, to sit, in the, um, to sit in a lap for Q1. So the five drivers that were eliminated in Q1 were Nicolas Latifi, who was the slowest of them all, Mick Schumacher, Joe Guanyu, Lance Stroll, and Pierre Gasly. When we got to Q2... Valtteri Bottas was already out of the qualifying session. I didn't really understand why that happened. And uh, everything went smoothly. So the five drivers were eliminated in Q2 are Daniel Ricciardo, Esteban Ocon, Valtteri Bottas, Sebastian Vettel, and Alex Albon. In Q3, um, Carlos Sainz Jr. and um, I believe Kevin Magnussen didn't set lap times. So it definitely affected their position on the grid. So... That's just a brief summary of what happened during the qualifying session. So here are your qualification results for the Formula 1 Lenovo Grand Prix de France 2022. That's the official name for the French Grand Prix. Charles Leclerc qualified in poor position. So he's starting in the first slot come race day on Sunday. Max Verstappen qualified second. Sergio Perez qualified third. Lewis Hamilton qualified fourth. Lando Norris qualified fifth. George Russell qualified sixth. Fernando Alonso qualified 7th, Yuki Tsunoda qualified 8th, Carlos Sainz qualified 9th and Kevin Magnussen, despite the fact that he took long to get out of the pits, qualified in 10th place. In 11th place was Daniel Ricciardo, in 12th place was Esteban Ocon, in 13th place was Valtteri Bottas, in 14th place was Sebastian Veto. in 15th place was Alexander Albon, in 16th place was Pierre Gasly, In 17th place was Lance Stroll, in 18th place was Joe Guanyu, in 19th place was Mick Schumacher, and Nicolas Latifi qualified 20th. So that's a summary of what happened at um, the Formula 1 Lenovo French Grand Prix qualification session. Let's take a short break, and when we return, we'll dive into the race itself. (laughs) welcome back from that short break now let's dive into the french grand prix as it happened so what i'm going to do is i'm going to be counting down the laps as we go through the race so it is the 62nd world championship here at paul ricard that's the name of the circuit and we began racing here in 2018 although the French Grand Prix dates back to 1971 and 1906 so like I said earlier we've been doing about 16 different venues in France and uh, we're not actually even sure whether we'll be returning for the French Grand Prix next year or the years coming in the future so that is something that you should be aware of but nevertheless I always enjoy racing at you know the Paul Ricard circuit like I said before it's quite beautiful the blue marks on the, the blue stripes on the ground the red stripes and it's a little bit confusing for um people who are just joining formula one because sometimes they're like there's so many escape ways how does the driver know the track so you basically follow the white line that's where the track is if the white line um, cuts through a path then you definitely don't have to go racing there so this may sound complicated if you're listening to it on audio but if you actually see the track then you understand what i mean. because i was seeing some memes going on people are like how do drivers know which turn to make on the Paul Ricard circuit and which is not a turn to make because of how it is designed but you basically follow the white lines that is where you should be racing outside those white lines you're off the track and you're exceeding track limits basically so the track like I said earlier has um, a length of 5.842 kilometers that's 3.36 miles and uh, we do 53 laps here it has 15 corners six of them are to the left nine of them to are to the right and you also have two DRS zones now this time around in France I think like last year as well it was pretty hot because the track temperatures went up to 30 degrees so that is pretty hot but nevertheless that didn't stop fans from coming out in fact there were so many lewis hamilton fans i should say i he has a big crowd in france he has a big crowd in brazil france everywhere all over the world britain he's just really really popular and it's also important to remember that it was It was his 300th Grand Prix start. So he has done 300 Grand Prix. What a man. What a man, if you ask me. Also, another milestone for another guy was Charles Leclerc. It's his seventh pole in the 2022 season. So that was exciting to see him out there. And uh, it was a sold-out race. So there were no tickets for any, any other person. That's how popular, I believe, the French Grand Prix is, and millions were watching all over the world I personally watched it at uh, formula one gardens here in uganda so there are different places you can watch formula one in uganda usually people come together and they just screen watch the race over big screens together and you shout and you clap and you eat and you drink and you watch it's just really much more fun actually compared to watching the race alone at home you'd rather do that you'd rather go out and watch with strangers and have a good time and you know see people give the opinions and you know command drivers to do this and do that and pete and not pete and It's just really, really fun. Anyway, let's dive into the race, shall we? Now, on lap one, Charles Leclerc um, went off really well, I should say. He led Max uh, from the very first lap of the race. Lewis Hamilton moved positions because immediately into lap one, Lewis was behind Max Verstappen, so he had placed himself up into third place. And then behind Lewis was Sergio Perez. London Norris, on the other hand, dropped down the grid, and then also Yuki Tsunoda and Esteban Ocon went into some bit of collusion, and so Yuki spun over the track. And then we got temporary yellow flags that were quickly cleared out. So, what happened is that Esteban Ocon tagged the side of Yuki Tsunoda's car, so that naturally caused Yuki Tsunoda to spin. So, we got a yellow flag in that sector, but then it was quickly cleared. Now, by lap three, uh, the gap between Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc was down to half a second, which means Max was really, really pushing down on Charles Leclerc. By the time we got to lap four, Yuki Tsunoda, who had earlier been involved in the collusion with Esteban Ocon, had dropped down to twentieth place. He was now running behind Joe Guan and uh, that's not pretty good to start off your race like that is never good. Now, maybe I didn't mention it earlier, but Carlos Sainz Jr. started the race from the back of the grid. And that was because he had changed his engines, his engine more than he was allowed to. So there's a number of times you're supposed to, you know, update, upgrade or change your Formula One car engine. And Carlos Sainz had exceeded that. So he started from the back of the grid. That was his penalty. So he was running in 20th place. Now, after the collusion between Yuki Tsunoda and Esteban O'Connor, well, it wasn't a collusion, but, you know, Esteban clipping the back of Yuki Snowder, causing him to spin. Yuki dropped down to 20th place. That means, you know, Carlos Sainz moved up to 19th place. Then ahead of him was, you know, Yuki uh, was Nicolas Latifi and then the other guys. Also in the middle part of the grid were the McLarens. They were both in 7th and 8th place, respectively. And there was Landon Harris in 7th place and then Daniel Ricciardo in 8th place. So... It was quite interesting because I hear McLaren saying that they have improved, but then sometimes I'm like, they have, but they don't really feel competitive. They're very consistent in maintaining a particular position on the grid. Once they start somewhere, they're going to maintain that towards the end, till the end, actually, as we shall see later on. Now, by lap five, Carlos Sainz was up into 15th place, having overtaken Mick Schumacher. And Valtteri Bottas, unfortunately, was down in 17th place. And I was like, what's going on with Valtteri Bottas? I don't understand Bottas. Anyway, sometimes you don't really understand a driver because you're not them. Because I'm, and you're not a driver. I guess I'm not a driver. I'm not Valtteri Bottas. But I don't really get it. Valtteri is like... He's a pretty good driver, for sure. When he was at Mercedes, okay, a lot of people complained. Or, you know, he's not doing good, this and that. But... When you looked at his results at Mercedes, he consistently came in in second place. That's not an easy thing to do when you have Lewis Hamilton to battle against. You're looking at one of the world's greatest drivers and you're consistently coming out second behind him with, you know, 18 other drivers behind you. That's good. But I guess there's more expectation from you. And now he moves to Alfa Romeo and he's not doing well. Well, I don't expect him to fight for second place again because the car is not as good as the Mercedes. But I... Expect a little bit more. I don't know whether I'm over-expecting. But anyway, that was Valtteri Bottas for you. Then we also got to see around this lap, the battle for third place between Lewis Hamilton and Sergio Perez. Now, Lewis, to me, is the greatest driver of all time. Sergio Perez is one of the best defenders in Formula 1, like... To get a place from Sergio Perez, you have to be really good or you have to bank on the fact that maybe his car is not functioning as well as it should be. That's how good he is. He's very good. Now, we got to lap 6. Color Sainz were still slowly moving up the grid. So he overtook Alex Albon for 13th place and that pushed Alex Albon down to 14th place. Now, remember, Alex Albon is racing for Williams Racing. Around that particular time, Max Verstappen also almost overtook Charles Leclerc at a corner but failed to do so because Ferrari was just too good in the corners and I think Red Bull was too good on the straights. So you have to balance that out well. We get to lap 7 and the gap between Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc is down to 5 tenths of a second. Meanwhile, Carlos Sainz Jr. is still in 13th place which is not bad considering he started in 20th. Over at McLaren, Londoner Norris moved up into 7th place, a slight improvement, while Daniel Ricciardo dropped down to ninth place, which I didn't understand because I don't understand what is happening at McLaren. I know there's been a lot of pressure on Daniel Ricciardo, and I feel for him because this is one of the most popular famous Formula One drivers in the world, hands down, after Lewis Hamilton, you probably know Daniel Ricciardo, if you know a little bit about Formula One, Daniel Ricciardo, stuff, you know, drives to survive at least season one, season two, and you know, he's the happy guy, he's the exciting guy, everybody wants to be with him, he was, you know, a star at Red Bull, he helped Renault get to where they are, and you know, now he comes over at McLaren, and it's just confusing what you're seeing. I guess everybody has those days, ask Sebastian Vettel. Anyway, also elsewhere, the French, the two French drivers on the grid, I was really rooting for them because we had, we had uh, the French Grand Prix. So I'm like, it would be nice if they finished really well at the French Grand Prix. But unfortunately, things were not really good for one of them. That was Pierre Gasly. So Pierre was down in 16th place at this particular moment. See, the thing about Pierre Gasly is that he's a good driver. He just doesn't have a team, a car, not a team, a car that, you know, matches his abilities, I would say. The team he has, those people at AlphaTauri are really good. They're good at what they do, building cars and everything. They're really good, but they just don't have the same good car. I think if you put it... Okay, this is a dream, but if you put him in a Mercedes, you would definitely see him, you know, really, really fighting it out. But unfortunately, he's stuck at Alpha 2. Mercedes is definitely full next year. I don't think Ferrari is looking to change their lineup next year either. Red Bull is not changing Sergio Perez next year. So he's just stuck there. But um, all is well. We believe in miracles. I mean, Haas started scoring points, so you just definitely believe in miracles. Also, the other French driver Esteban Ocon, it was in eighth place at that particular moment. Really excited about that. Hopefully, he you know he keeps going higher and higher, as we shall see later on. Now we get to lap eight. Carlos Sainz Jr. makes another overtake. This time on Kevin Magnussen, he places himself into twelfth place, pushing down Kevin Magnussen into thirteenth place. We get to lap nine. Kevin Magnussen pits and unfortunately drops to 20th place, which means he had, which means at this particular moment, if you're pitting on lap nine, you definitely have a two stop pit strategy. A two pit stop strategy, sorry, because you can't pit on lap nine and then get on tyres that take you to the end of the race unless you don't want to be competitive. But anyway, Yuki Tsunoda then moves up into 19th place. Joe Gwenzu is now in 18th. Nicholas Latifi is in 17th. And now, at that moment, Valtteri Bottas was up into 16th place from being in 17th place. Lap 10, another Haska pits. This time, it's Mick Schumacher's car that pits. So he pits and comes out in 19th place. Joe Gwenzu also pits. He comes out in 20th place. And uh, we have Kevin Magnussen in 18th. And now Yuki Tsunoda is running in 17th place. We get to lap 13. Carlos Sainz Jr. makes an overtake on the four-time champion of the world, Sebastian Vettel. So he pushes Sebastian Vettel down to 12th place and places himself up into 11th place. Still on that same lap, Carlos Sainz Jr. gains DRS on Lance Stroll and easily makes the overtake on him. So Carlos Sainz places himself up into 10th place while Lance Stroll is pushed down to 11th place. I'm telling you the Ferrari were on fire until they weren't on fire. So by lap 14, the top 10 drivers were Charles Leclerc in first place, Max Verstappen in second place, Lewis Hamilton in third place, Sergio Perez in fourth place, George Russell in fifth, Fernando Alonso in sixth, Lando Norris in seventh, Esteban Ocon in eighth, Daniel Ricciardo in ninth and Carlos Sainz Jr. within the points in 10th place. We get to lap 16. And it's only the last four drivers on the grid that hadn't pitted at that particular moment. That was Kevin Magnussen, Mick Schumacher, Yuki Tsunoda and Joe Grandu. Lap 18, Max Verstappen decides to pit. He was running in second place, but he comes out of the pit stops in sixth place. And what happens is that he loses a lot of time during the whole process. He loses about 20 seconds or more. So that is a lot of time. If you know Formula 1, you know that a second matters. It could be the difference between you winning a championship and losing it. It could be the difference between you winning a race and losing it. It could be the difference between you uh, finishing in the points and losing it. Now, unfortunately, we get to, not unfortunately, we get to lap 19, but something unfortunate happened on lap 19. So Charles Leclerc was leading the race. Everything was going great until he suffered tire degradation. And going at about 100 miles an hour, he ended up into the barrier, spun around, and then ended up into the barrier. And that is when we got the very first, not the very first yellow flag, but that's when we got that yellow flag. And then the safety car came out. And I was just like, okay. With Ferrari, you never know. Last race, it was Carlos Sainz. This race is Charles Leclerc. So you're like... If I'm Carlos I'm like, oh my God, is it coming to me next race? Because with Ferrari, you just never know. They are doing better than they did the past few months of last season. But it's just not consistent. You can't rely on them to finish high up on the grid as they should as you'd expect them to because the car is fast you saw how um you had me talk about how max was really trying to get to overtake Charles Leclerc, but just couldn't because the ferrari was really fast in the corners so you will see them perform really well but you're like are they going to be able to keep that throughout the race without the car either overheating or them suffering tires or just you know a pit stop messed up or the strategy is just not working it's just you never really know but the good thing is that it only happens to one driver per race because it could be worse you could have both drivers suffering this fate so let's just take the good side of things I mean it sucks big time the fact that Charles Leclerc was out of the race but you have hope because Carlos Sainz Jr is still in the race and with the way Ferraris things have been going it's just one driver that always has loses it during a particular race, so, you should actually look for that clip when Charlotte was like, no, on the radio, you could feel his pain, you could feel his pain, that sucked big time, that hurt, and, you know, it's a these moments where you're like, okay, I don't really think Ferrari could win the championship, if they're inconsistent in being good, then I'm just like, I wish we are going to win the championship, you know, I think it's something to do with the engine. I am not sure about this. But why Charles Leclerc span was tire degradation, so they say. But we'll see later on another issue with the Ferrari engine. We'll see that later on. Anyway, so we get a yellow flag. Amanda the safety car, Uh Louis Hamilton decides to pit. Sergio Perez pits. George Russell pits. Carlos Sainz Jr. pits. As well as Fernando Alonso, he pits as well. So we get to lap 20, and the safety car is about to end at this particular moment. And it's um, Max leading Lewis Hamilton, behind Lewis is Saja Perez, behind Perez is Russell, Alonso, Norris, Ricardo, Sainz, Ocon, and Stroll. And then you have Alex Albon in 11th, Lance Stroll in 12th. Um, you have Gasly, Vettel, Bottas, Latifi, Kevin Magnussen, Joe Guandu, Mick, Yuki, and Shia Claire who's obviously out of the race. So that is what the grid looked like at that particular moment. It was a blessing for Mercedes because they pitted then under the safety car. You never really know when the safety car is going to come out, but you just have to keep your hopes that it comes out, not because of you, but because of somebody else. So Mercedes had that benefit, They uh, suffered, not suffered, but enjoyed that benefit, of um, Charles this bad day and you know they pitted in the safety car and suddenly Lewis was running in second and Brasso was running in third so by lap 21 we went real racing again no safety car nothing and this particular moment Carlos Sainz Jr made the overtake on Lando Norris so he placed himself in sixth place pushed down Lando Norris to seventh place lap 22 Carlos was on fire he was the prancing horse in this race Lap twenty-two, he made the overtake on Fernando Alonso for fifth place and pushed down Alonso to sixth place. Now we get to lap twenty-three, and we have another yellow flag. This time in sector three, and what happens is that Wenzo clips the back of clipped the back of Mick Schumacher, who then spun around. So we had a yellow flag, but then it, we went green, it turned green immediately. So we were back to racing almost immediately. Unfortunately, Gwenzu had to pit, and uh, remember he had pitted in the safety car, so now he had to pit again. So it was just, it just wasn't working for Alpha Romeo. It just, it just was not working for them. We get to lap twenty four, and we're told that Carlos Sainz Junior has a five second penalty for unsafe release while in the pits. So what happened is that while he was pitting. Uh, during that safety car he was released from the pits unsafely (laughs) I just repeated what I said but he was released from the pits unsafely and almost crashed into a Williams car in the pit lane you should have seen that so the five second penalty made sense but he definitely was going to hurt his race we get to lap 25 Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton have a gap between them that is more than two seconds and that doesn't make sense because Max is just flying and flying and flying. Lewis is, you know, staying farther back and staying farther back and staying farther back. Now, behind Lewis Hamilton was Sergio Perez. And the gap between Sergio Perez to Lewis Hamilton was a second. And then behind Sergio Perez was Russell. And the gap between Russell to Sergio Perez was more than a second. So that showed you that Mercedes didn't really have the pace. Because the Red Bulls were able to get closer to them and farther away from them. But they weren't able to get closer to the Red Bulls. Now, we get to lap 26, and the gap between Carlos Sainz Jr. and George Russell is now down to less than a second. So, Sainz was coming for George Russell. I'm telling you, he was the prancing horse. He was fast during this race. So, bear in mind, George Russell was running in fourth place, and Carlos Sainz was running in fifth place. But the thing is, you have to remember, Carlos Sainz was the only driver, I think, in the top ten who was running on the medium tires and which we were about halfway through the race. We do 53 laps in France, so that means he had to pit again, whether he wanted it or not. Russell was on the hard tyre, he could go long. Anyway, around the time as well, we get told that Joe Gwenzu was uh, given a five-second penalty for the collusion he had with Mick Schumacher, the one we talked about earlier. By lap 27, we had two drivers officially out of the race. That was Yuki Tsunoda and Charles Leclerc. We get to lap 30. After pushing and pushing and pushing, Carlos Sainz is just too fast for the Mercedes that has been struggling with pace. That is George Russell. So he eventually makes the overtake on George Russell. So now Carlos Sainz is running in fourth place. George Russell has been pushed down to fifth place. Ahead of Sainz is Perez in third place. And then ahead of Perez is Lewis in second. And then ahead of Lewis is Max. Now, see, the thing is, everyone knew Carlos had to work to pit. So I think the strategy was that he goes higher up on the grid. Then by the time he goes to the pits and comes out of the pits, he should be within the top 10. Instead of, you know, just giving it up and then he pits and then he has to struggle, you know, from 17th place, 16th place. You'd rather come out of the pits within the top 10 and then you fight for points in there. Now we get to lap 33. Sergio Perez is running in third place, like I said before. He's behind Lewis Hamilton. And he's being chased by Carlos Sainz. Now, Perez had... I don't know if he had to make this choice, but I would think he had to make the decision between either defending himself against Carlos Sainz or chasing down Lewis Hamilton. Because both of them were hard. Lewis is a super driver, you know that. But Carlos was really, really coming down on him so hard. So there was that battle. Elsewhere on the grid, Pierre Gasly, the French driver, was fighting for 15th place with Nicolas Latifia. And eventually, good news, he got the place. Lap 37, Pierre Gasly also overtook Kevin Magnusson for 13th place. So Kevin was pushed down to 14th. Pierre placed himself up into 13th place. We get to lap 38, and Nicolas Latifi spins around on the track. He, gets, he goes off the track. What happened is that he had a bit of a scuffle between himself and Kevin Magnussen. So we get the safety car out, but then it's cleared quickly, quite quickly. We get to lap 39. Nicolas Latifi is in 17th place. He's in the pits. He's struggling with his car. And then Carlos Sainz is running in fourth place, and is just pushing Sergio Perez and in my mind, I think Carlos was just really exhausting this guy because he was wearing him out, just pushing him, pushing him and pushing him. And um, bear in mind, Saja Perry's tears were now getting really old at this point and he was just really, really pushing. The Paul-Ricard circuit is one of the circuits where you have few, low fuel consumption, but nevertheless, you don't need to be pushed so hard, otherwise you could break. Not literally, but you know. So anyway, we get to lap 40. Kevin Magnussen is in the pits. He was running in 18th place. And I think he might retire from the race at a particular moment. We get to lap 41. It gets really interesting in this part. Carla Sainz Jr. constantly comes close to overtaking Sergio Perez, but then fails. Again, he comes close to overtaking him and then fails. Then he makes the overtake on Sergio Perez, but then Perez regains his place. Then finally, he makes the overtake on Sergio Perez and maintains it. See, the thing is, Sergio Perez was on hard tires. Well, anyway, they last longer in the race, but Carlos Sainz was on medium tires. Both had the same tire edge. They were 22-lap old tires, but the thing is, the hard tires are slower than the medium tires, so it definitely gave him an advantage, I would think. So eventually, science made the overtake on Sergio Perez. Now, we get to lap 43. Now, this is quite interesting. Two laps later, he makes the overtake on Sergio Perez. Two laps later, he pits, and and you're just like, okay, why did you push so hard? Anyway, you get the point. He wants to, you know, uh, keep higher up on the grid as much as he can, but he was really tiring out Sergio Perez. So he pits, gets new medium tires, and comes in ninth place. Now, I'm not a race engineer, but I'm like, why didn't they give him, like, soft tyres? Because he was getting to the end of the race, you know. Why didn't they give him soft tyres? But anyway, I think that was, it worked really well for him. He began the race in 20th place, and now he was fighting for, I think, third and fourth place. So, you'd rather put him back on those tyres that gave him the advantage than, you know, risk trying something new. So, he pits, and comes out of the pits in ninth place, so he's still within the top ten, like we were... Thinking about Allium and this time he's on new medium tires. Now, when he gets out to pit, obviously now somebody else comes replaces him to chase down Sergio Perez, and that somebody else is George Russell. So George tries to push down, you know, Sergio Perez. Now Perez is now between two Mercedes. Lewis is ahead of him. George Russell is behind him, so he has to defend them at all, defend himself against them at all costs. But the good news is the Mercedes was suffering with pace. However, so they really get at it. Perez and Russell are really fighting each other. And eventually, at one particular moment, Sancho Perez went off the track. Some could argue that, you know, Russell pushed Perez off the track. Others could argue that Russell Russell had the inside line. He had... That was his space. So he didn't push uh, Perez off the track. Whatever it is, it just caused a little bit of commotion between people. Anyway, we get to lab 44. And George Russell still... You know, he hadn't made the overtake on Sergio Perez. So he still returns and tries to overtake Sergio Perez. Elsewhere, Carlos Sainz was running in ninth place. The prancing host, like I said before, overtakes Esteban Ocon for 8th place. Still on the particular lap, he overtakes Daniel Ricciardo for 7th place. So he's just really, really going hard at it. We get to lap 45. Sergio Perez is now becoming vulnerable to George Russell. His tires are just too old. And even the FIA just, you know, lets us know that the investigation, that there's no further investigation going to be carried out between the incident in regards to the incident that happened between George Russell and Perez when Russ, some say Russell pushed Perez off the track and Perez says, you know, this and that. They weren't investigating that incident anymore. By the time we got to lap forty six, we had four drivers out of the race. Those were Nicholas Latifi, Charles Leclerc, Kevin Magnussen, and Yuki Tsunoda. We get to lap 48. Carlos Sainz Jr. makes the overtake on Esteban Ocon. So now Carlos is running in fifth place. We get to lap 49 and we have another yellow flag. This time it's in sector one and sector two. But we get a virtual safety car instead. And what happens is that Joe Joe Gwanyu's power unit just fails. I think it was a power unit. But you know his car just stopped by the barrier. And we think it's a power unit. And he's in an Alfa Romeo. And who supplies Alfa Romeo with engines? Ferrari. So we have a virtual Safety car. The virtual Safety car ends by the 50th lap. And as it ends, oh, I like this part. As it ends, George Russell really slowed down. Then when it ended, he just you know, began, he, start, he didn't start, it's not that the car went off, but he just went full speed at Sergio Perez and made the overtake at Sergio Perez. I just, I believe it shocked Sergio Perez because he didn't really, <laughs> it looked like he didn't fight back at all. It was beautifully done because at one particular moment I was like I don't think I genuinely don't think um, Russell is going to be able to make the overtake but anyway he makes the overtake and ladies and gentlemen that is a summary of what happened at the 2022 French Grand Prix now here are your race results Max Verstappen won the French Grand Prix Louis Hamilton came home in second and his teammate George Russell finished the race in third place in 4th place was Sergio Perez. In 5th place was Carlos Sainz Jr., who also took home the DHL fastest lap of the race. In 6th place was Fernando Alonso. Landon Norris finished 7th. Esteban Ocon finished 8th. Daniel Ricciardo finished 9th. And Lance Stroll scored the last point of the race in 10th place. Sebastian Vettel finished 11th. Pierre Gasly finished 12th. Alex Albon finished 13th. Valtteri Bottas finished 14th. Mick Schumacher finished 15th. Joe Guanyu finished 16th. The rest of the drivers had DNFs. There was Nicholas Latifi, Kevin Magnussen, Charles Leclerc, and Yuki Tsunoda. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. And, oh, I will see you next time when we go to Hungary. But before we go to Hungary, maybe you'd want to know what the drivers' standings are. So let me share them with you. Max Verstappen is leading with 233 points. Charles Leclerc is in second place with 170 points. Sergio Perez is in 3rd place with 163 points. Carlos Sainz Jr. is in 4th place with 144 points. George Russell is in 5th place with 143 points. Lewis Hamilton is in 6th place with 127 points. Lando Norris is 7th with 70 points. Esteban Ocon is 8th with 56 points. Valtteri Bottas is 9th with 46 points. And Fernando Alonso is 10th with 37 points. Kevin Magnussen is 11th with 22 points. Daniel Ricciardo is 12th with 19 points. Pierre Gasly is 13th with 16 points. Sebastian Vettel is 14th with 15 points. Mick Schumacher is 15th with 12 points. Yuki Tsunoda is 16th with 11 points. Wenzu is 17th with 5 points. Lance Stroll is 18th with 4 points. Alexander Albon is 19th with 3 points. And we have Nicolas Latif in 20th with no point at all, as well as Nico Halkenberg in 21st place with no point at all. When it comes to constructors, Red Bull Racing is leading with 396 points, Ferrari is second with 314 points, Mercedes is third with 270 points, Alpine is fourth with 93 points, McLaren is fifth with 89 points, Alfa Romeo is sixth with 51 points, Haas Formula 1 team is seventh with 34 points, Alpha 2 is eighth with 27 points. Aston Martin is 9th with 19 points. And Williams is 10th with 3 points. And that is it from me for the French Grand Prix. I will catch you next time around when we go racing in Hungary for the 13th round. That will be from the 29th to the 31st of July and then... Thereafter, we take a big break before returning in August on August the 26th for the Belgian Grand Prix. I hope you enjoyed this race as much as I did. Please don't hesitate to get in touch if you'd like to. My Twitter handle is at Formula One Amateur. My Instagram handle is at Humura Ruth. That is spelled as H-U-M-U-R-A underscore r-u-t-h or you can send me an email my address is mbabaziruth77 at gmail.com that is spelled as m-b-a-b-a-z-i-r-u-t-h 77 at gmail.com thank you so much i'll see you next time